Well, thank you again for, for having us here to share a message with you. It took, it, it's pretty fortunate for me to have this a message every three weeks because I have three weeks to work on it, unlike you know, most pastors that have to prepare it you know, one, one, one or two sermons a week. Um, so it took me a couple weeks to actually get that topic, and I knew it was something about fellowship because we're having that fellowship meal that you have a wonderful um, a history of having that fellowship meal here each month. Um, but then the Lord just, it, about a week ago, he just started giving me verses, and, and it just started coming and it flowed together here. So hopefully it, it spoke to my heart, and I, I pray that it speaks to yours as well. So last time I was here, about three weeks ago, we talked about the greatest of these is love. And I took it from the context that uh, the verse that says, in the later days, many hearts will grow cold in, uh, towards love. And, you know, there's so much conflict in the world, and it's, it's hard to, you know, keep that heart of love. And so that message last, last time was for just a reminder for all of us, including myself, to you know, make sure that we bathe our heart in love, in God's love, and really love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and our neighbor as ourselves. Um, so this week I thought, you know, how can I roll off of that and uh, talk a little bit about fellowship and, and sow in that message of love. And I, you know, I, I thought that looking back at that first century church, that, that church in Acts 2, uh, right after the day of Pentecost, and, uh, you know, take a look at what, how they functioned. And, and uh, you know, maybe there's some wisdom there and also some challenges for us today. So before we begin, let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today searching for your will in our lives. We wish wholeheartedly to be your hands and feet, to be the body of Christ here on earth. Give us a, a, a revelation of what we are doing right and where we can improve so that we can build your kingdom here in White Hall and, and beyond. May your spirit be with us and guide us in this journey, Lord, for your glory, power, and honor beyond to your name, Jesus. Amen. So the prominent themes in the first century church, uh, when you start reading the book of Acts, is uh, great power. We saw the power of the Holy Spirit in the early apostles and great persecution. But there's an underlining theme there about the development of the body of Christ. And uh, so I thought it would be a, a, a fun in, uh, educational topic to look at today, to kind of journey back to that, that day, the day after Pentecost, where thousands of souls were saved, and look into what we can learn from them. Um, and some of the things that we might, you know, question or challenge ourselves today is, you know, how are we doing in, as far as a worldwide church? How are we doing today? And how well is the body uh, doing in West Central Wisconsin and here in, in Whitehall? And the last challenge is more on an individual basis. You know, are you an active member in the body? So let's, let's put some context to this first um, and look at Acts 2 and, and get that context to start the conversation. Acts 2, 41 through 47. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. In, uh, and I think that was Peter that was actually preaching that day. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking in bread and prayer. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done with, through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, 
and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing day with, daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking in bread from house to house, they ate food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their church daily those who were being saved. So we read about the earliest Christian church here in the formation of the body of Christ and how they functioned. And I just kind of pulled out all those key words out of that passage uh, just for us to quickly take a list and then take a look at and then kind of formalize it into what does that mean for us today. So I look at the first one, studying the apostles' doctrine. And if you think back at that time, the Bible as we know it what didn't exist yet. It was still the Hebrew Bible, which we consider the Old Testament. And then all of these letters that the different apostles were writing, you know, John and Mark and Luke and Peter, uh, Paul eventually. Um, and so the, the early believers were taking these letters and cloning them and, and copying them and, and sending them out to the different church groups. Um, and they were studying the apostles' doctrine. Having fellowship eating together, breaking bread, going house to house. So we'll be breaking some bread uh, today after service. Um, praying, so a very important piece. Having signs and wonders. And I'll go more into detail on each one of these in a sec. Selling possessions and good and giving to those that are in need. Gathering, one accord in the temple. Praising God, having favor with the people, and growing, and the Lord added to their numbers daily. I remember reading this Acts 2 back in, you know, I've read it before in the past, but it really kind of hit me back in 2007 and 8 when Lori and I were, um, had some leadership positions back at Friendship Church in Mondovi. And so we were part, part of the hospitality ministry, and we had a lot of fun with that, of breaking bread and, and bringing people together in prayer. Um, you know, if you think about it, you know, on that list, do you feel the energy? Do you feel the unity of the body? Of the power and the love of that early church? I'll think about it, and then I, I like 2,000 years later, I started asking the question, how are we doing today? What, what are we doing similar? What are we, have we drifted away from? Are we living up to the standards uh, in our individual lives and in the church life? Are we functioning efficiently as the body of Christ? So this internal analysis might be better off for a fellowship meal after service because I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well. You know, I'm just one member in the body, but I just kind of threw together some ideas here to get your thoughts started on this topic. So studying the Apostles' Doctrine, I already shared with you, you know, the history a little bit about what the Apostles' Doctrine is. And then I look at, you know, not only Whitehall Church, but how we're doing in the rest of our, our district and other uh, Christian churches. And most of us have Sunday school and, you know, Sunday message and a Wednesday message. And often we'll have home Bible studies. So I think we're doing pretty well in that area. Although you do hear statistics once in a while saying that the average Christian only reads their Bible X number of minutes. So I don't have the exact number because <laughs> I don't know how they would gather that, but X number of minutes a week. Um, so there's always room for improvement there. Having fellowship. You know, one of the questions I ask myself is how often am I spending time with my brothers and sisters outside of church? You know, might be a, do you feel like you're part of a family? 
And maybe you do here at, at Cooley Community Church, and that would be, that's fantastic if you do that. Um, if, if you don't, though, why not? Why don't we have that fellowship as closeness like they did back in Acts 2? And what should the church do about it? And then maybe more importantly is what should each one of us do about it, right? Sometimes fellowship takes our initiative to get some type of event started or invite somebody over to our house or whatever that fellowship looks like. So the third one here is eating, uh, eating together and breaking bread from house to house. And I noticed that they just slipped in that house to house there. Um, so that's, that's an interesting thing. Often here in America, we meet on Sunday at church and do a lot of stuff in the church building, uh, but we may or may not have that house to house element. And it, you know, it's, a, it's a challenge for us Americans. A lot of us are you know, very independent people here in America. And, you know, when you're all, we all have busy schedules, and then we, when we invite people over, oh, we got to clean the house, right? And, and we have to uh, go buy groceries and make the food and make sure their, the other people's schedules work. But I think that's a worthwhile effort. You know, that's something that we might want to look into more. Because that's where individual ministry really can happen, is when you can really get to know the people that are sitting around you. Praying. Well, prayer is in our services and in our meetings. Uh, we, we have individual prayer lives. Although I think, you know, if you think about prayer, and I, I'm, I think one of the future messages that I might uh, write is on prayer. I wrote, read a book one time for one of our ministry, my ministry courses, and it was on the theology of prayer. And it was the concept of people praying throughout Scripture but what was awesome about it is it was how God responded. So it, what really taught me is who God is. Because how he responds and how he acts is really the, the oh wow moment for me. So I'm hoping to be able to pull some of that out with scripture and, and make a future message on that. You know, we have the power to move heaven and earth. But all too often we're silent. You know, we just allow the world to happen instead of intervening and fighting that spiritual warfare. Because we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against spirits and principalities. Having signs and wonders. What, right? We're a Pentecostal AG church. We should be having signs and wonders all the time. And I've seen signs and wonders over the years at various services, um, especially over at Spencer Lake at family camp. Uh, we, in the first week in July, Lori and I often go over there. And they bring in missionaries. Uh, some powerful missionaries, I shouldn't even say their name because they're, they're in countries that, um, you know, they would get persecuted if they were found out. But one individual was a uh, minister to northern India, and he spent seven nights telling about his ministry work. And it was miracle after miracle after miracle. God intervened, and it's just like, you walked out of there after seven days saying, our God is awesome. You know, but it was, it was, a, it was a walk of pure faith and putting his life on the line in his, uh, every day, pretty much going and in, in ministering to the Buddhist monks and, that were ready to <laughs> chop his head off because they were, you know, he was preaching something other than what they were preaching. Um, so there, there is, you know, there's that. And I think, I think we just maybe need to take more time in our services and in, in, in our weeks to seek the Spirit and just press into him and be bold and, and have faith and just trust that the Lord will move and give us those signs and wonders that are so edifying to the body. Selling possessions and giving goods to those in need. Now that's an interesting one. I started thinking about that. And I've heard you know, socialists or even Marxists say, well, see, Christians are communists. They, 
sold everything and gave to all those in need, you know, equally give everything. But that's not really what it said here. It said that those who had extra gave to those that were in need. So it's, it's really the individual in the body of Christ giving to their brothers and sisters in need. It's really fulfilling the verse of love your neighbor as yourself, right? I think, you know, if you think back over the last couple hundred years, there's been a lot of Christians in the different uh, government bodies. And, you know, they're, of course, they want to take the care of the needs of the people. And so we created all these government programs. So now all these government programs are in place of what the church used to do. And so when somebody's in need, oh, just go out to this website, fill out this, and you'll get some money from the government. And one of the, the sad parts about that is, is it, we lost the opportunity to show the love of Christ by, uh, by uh, foregoing that, that part of it. And we lost the opportunity to tell people about Jesus and, and earn favor of, of those people in the, in the community by showing them love. Um, so this, this verse in Acts 2, you know, it was talking about the it was talking about the, the body of Christ, which were the believers at the time. But then I think back in what Jesus said in, in Matthew 25, 35 through 40. And he says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. And I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or, and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say unto them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it for one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. So the next one here, uh, the seventh one, is gathering in one accord in the temple. And I think we're doing a, a great job at that right now, and I thank each one of you for whatever else you could be doing today to come together and gather together to honor God and, and, and love each other. Um, so I definitely feel, you know, there's one accord here in, in our church and in many of the churches here in West Central Wisconsin. Praising God, we've enjoyed the wonderful worship time here that puts us in the right spirit and also just gives the reverence that we should give all, every day to the Lord. Um, our testimonies here, when I hear some of the testimonies during Sunday school time, you know, that's another way of praising and worshiping God. The next one here, eight or nine, I lost my track of my numbers here, but having favor with the people. Now, again, I think that's another tough one. Um, you know, how, how about our neighbors? You know, what do our neighbors think of us? You know, our church here, the greater church here in West Central Wisconsin. It seems like a lot in the media hostility is growing towards God, and thus it's growing towards Christians, right? Uh, some of this doctrine in the, the Word of God is, is in direct conflict. It's, it's almost opposite, opposing of what the world is trying to teach. So, you know, in that situation, how do we gain favor? With, uh, with our neighbors. Um, because the Great Commission is go out to all nations and make disciples of all people, right? That's one of our greatest callings. And the last one here is growing. The, the Lord added to their number daily. And there's many ways to measure growth. And I think 
growing has a direct correlation with having favor with the people, making those connections in our community and with people that we uh, interact with every day. So the one that you often see is how many people are in church or how many new members this year, or how many people have been baptized. But there's also another aspect of growth, the spiritual aspect of growth, which is, are we growing in the word? And then are we growing into the image of Christ? Because I think that's something that as Christians we should all be seeking is the sanctification. So there's a lot of things that we're doing right, you know, uh, that we have a great foundation on is studying the apostles' doctrine, praising God. I think every a good Christian church has a you know, wonderful worship time. Gathering in one accord in the temple. A lot of you have been so faithful to this church over the years, I know, that I've, since I've been, um, been, Lori and I were here back in 2014 and I know some of the families. Um, so we're doing a pretty good job at loving God, um, you know, but there's definitely room to press into more, you know, for the signs and wonders. Um, there's also areas that we need to work on as a body, you know, with the signs and wonders, uh, the spending more time in the spirit, having favor with the people, trying to figure out what that means and what that looks like, and growing it, um, uh, adding to the church daily, which goes hand in hand again with uh, having favor. So work to be done with uh, loving our neighbors as ourselves and making those connections. So one of the things I've seen um, work really well is the concept that every believer, every one of you that loves Jesus Christ is a minister. And that's something that where Lori and I have been going to church for the last 12 years, that's one of their pillars of their, um, of their mission statement there at the church. And every believer is a minister and the idea here is that it's not just the pastor's responsibility on Sunday morning to come in and preach and draw in the people. And hopefully you got a dynamic speaker, uh, a pastor, which I'm, I'm, Pastor John's great here, so that I'm not talking individually in this church. But, but so often church growth is, is dependent on the pastor. But when you can reverse you know, that thinking or change that thinking so that every one of you are a minister, now that's a dynamic church. An example of that is just some of the things I've seen over the years at harvest time, and then I was kind of scratching my head in when I was first going to that church trying to figure it out. Um, they have some members that started the Thrive Rescue Home in Thailand for sex workers, these young 12 and 13-year-old girls that were stuck in the sex trade because they were sold off by their family or whatever the situation was, and they, they were hopeless. And so they opened up a building there and a mission, missionary there to bring these girls off the streets, give them a place to live, teach them a, a, a way to make a living, and get them out of that sex trade. So other members uh, started Happy Feet. So they went down to Guatemala and saw all these children running around with no shoes on. And they're like, well, this is crazy. So every Christmas, we see a, a Christmas tree out in the lobby with all these little shoes. And you take a shoe, and then you give so much to buy shoes for those kids in Guatemala. Um, they started a one that was really fun that's a Royal Family Kids. And so what they did is they uh, rented a Bible camp for a week, and they brought a lot of the foster kids here in West Central Wisconsin up to Bible camp and ministered to them all. We gave them some fun and food and fellowship. And then uh, individual families of the church partnered up with the people that started this, the members that started this, and then they meet with each one of those uh, foster kids each week. Uh, or no, each month throughout the, the year 
to continually to minister and show love to that foster child. Uh, the body has had, you know, desire. We have four, four different churches now, our campuses, related to harvest time. So they, there was a desire by some of the memberships to make a new campus. And that took a lot of time and effort of those members. Um, they created, they're working on creating a Christian daycare. Uh, one of the members um, started a Christian school up in Chippewa Falls this year. And they had some pretty great enrollments up there. And now Lori's uh, has felt on her heart that she wants to start a Christian day, uh, not a Christian, a Christian school, excuse me, K-12, over in Oliva. Um, so we're working on that. And dozens of other ministries. I'll, I'll, often I see little boosts up for this ministry or that ministry. So this is not just a harvest time thing, though. I think this strategy could work for a lot of churches, AG churches in our district. And one of the things that we're seeing out of Harvest Time when I talked to Rich Lindbergh, he's the, the, head, the treasurer for the district in West Wisconsin, Northern Michigan district. And I said, well, North Central University over in Minneapolis, that must be the place where you get most of the pastors for our district here. And he says, no, not really. He says, it's out of Harvest Time. And then I think back on that in I have seen several, many, probably half a dozen people that I know of out of that, the, the four churches that have moved on to be ministers. But I think it is that spirit of everyone is a minister. And once they start the, whatever ministry they're doing or a partnership up with somebody else, it leads them into a deeper walk with Christ. And the fruit of that is, is uh, people that move into ministry full time. Um, so that's just something to think about here in, in Whitehall, you know. Um, one of the things I kind of want to turn that to and, and question you on is, what is God putting on your heart? You know, is there something that you've been thinking, oh, that would be cool to have, a Christian campground or, you know, something fun or something cool? Maybe it's the time to, you know, start talking to some people about it here at church. And let's, let's get the ball rolling, you know. Um, every believer... Uh, is a minister really runs in the spirit of many members in the body, like that first opening passage. Here's another one in Romans 12, 4 through 8. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in portion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberty. And he who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So you each are a member of the body. And uh, we'll talk more about in a second here as we kind of wrap up. Um, Each one of you are important here. and, And I hope you... Feel that before the end of the message. Let's move ahead to Acts 6, 1 through 3. Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there rose a complaint against the Hebrew by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in daily distribution. The Hebrews were the the Jews and the Hellenists were the Greeks. Um, Then the twelve disciples summoned the multitudes of the disciples one of the interesting points is the multitude of disciples, so the Christians at that time were all called disciples. You know, so I think that it's safe to say that you're disciples of Christ today. 
It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out amongst you seven good men of reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And if you read that, a lot of churches take that and say, hey, well, let's make a few elders and a few deacons, and the elders will take care of the spiritual side of the church, and the deacons will take care of the business and the day-to-day operations. Uh, there's several other passages that talk about that as well. Um, but the, the, the first need that was stated in the Bible was the need to take care of the widows. And Jesus tells us that quite often, too, is taking care of the widows and orphans and those that are in need. Um, but going back to the previous point, it kind of ties into that whole selling of possessions and giving to those that are in need. Uh, the wi- widows weren't getting what they needed. So that, that garners the question, what are the needs of the church membership today? Are we meeting those needs? So much of our sacrifice, our energy, and our finances go into maintaining buildings and utilities and paying insurance and salaries and, you know, and those are all important things. So we have a place to gather, but, you know, what are the needs of the individual members, of the believers? What are the needs of our community? So I started thinking about that, and this is where I'd love to get your input in later. Um, you know, I, we found out there were six couples at, at Harvest Time South that, that were in marriage crisis. So that, you know, that put it on our hearts, to, it, the, the Spirit put it on our hearts to you know, try to do something about that. How can we minister to them? How can we help them? So marriage counseling, definitely a need. I think about this whole pandemic and the fear that has been generating from every t- form of media constantly and the mental health especially the, uh, the increase in suicides in our youth. You know, there definitely is a need for mental health. And if we get into the Word, that, and you really get into the Word, that can help. You know, because when our hope is in the Lord, that puts us in the right mindset. But there's, there's people that have needs here. Um, fellowship. I look at fellowship, and then I, I think, there should never be a lonely believer. You know? We're supposed to be the body. There shouldn't be a lonely, a lonely person out there. So what can we do about it, you know, um, in our sphere of influence? Financial security. A lot of churches now, AG churches, offer uh, Dave Ramsey, which is a, he's a Christian financial guru expert, and he teaches you how to budget your money and how to plan out and what, what to invest in and all those kind of things. And so, you know, those programs are at... at, at uh, it, at a lot of different churches. And then food security. I know you do a wonderful job at supporting the food pantry here in town. One of the things we're finding out too is deliverance of sin in the form of different addictions. Um, Alcoholism, drugs, pornography. Those are real things that the church is dealing with as well. Christian education. Uh, We're finding out some crazy things that are happening in the public school districts around here. Uh, we have some stories, but we, we won't share them online. <laughs> but uh, we, we need an alternative to that. And, uh, you know, just having another place, a safe place to, to, for you to be encouraged in your walk with the Lord and to, and to you know, step forward in a ministry got with the guidance of the pastors and the elders and your brothers and sisters here. There's probably so many more. I'm sure you guys can all add on to that list. So... These are conversations that, you know, maybe everybody um, 
body, church body should be having to define those local needs that is unique to your church body. We know about evangelism and discipleship, and those are utmost importance, right? But if the body is not healthy, it's not going to function well. If I'm dealing with depression all the time, guess what? I'm probably not calling my brother and saying, hey, you want to go play some Frisbee golf or, you know, go out to, for a coffee? You know, it's, we need to make sure we're all functioning well together. So I come back to the challenge. This challenge is, what is God laying on each one of your hearts? I've seen so many people get into the missionary field, into certain ministries, and they had nothing when they started, with, with, with the exception of a vision from the Lord, where God placed the desires of their heart into them, and they took those steps of faith. And then guess what? You tell that vision, tell your brothers and sisters, and you might find somebody that says, I want to help you with that. I got a few bucks I can put towards that. Time is short, brothers and sisters. What do we need to do to mirror some of those successes of that first century church? What will you, what will we be doing when Christ returns? We need to be going about our Father's business and building his kingdom. So back to that scripture that we started with today. In 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to read the next few verses here, 12 through 27. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And all have been made to drink into one spirit, for in that the body is not one member, but many. So Paul goes on to say, If the foot should say, Because I am not the hand, I am not the body. Is it therefore not the body? And if the ear should say, Because I am not the eye, I am not the body. Is it therefore not the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members in one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. But much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think are less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresented parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God comprised the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, and there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another." And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So you are the body of Christ, brothers and sisters. You might be the eye that has the vision for this church to see 
it go, it, where God gives you a vision to see where it could lead to. You might be the hand that always makes things happen. You're there all the time making these things happen. You might be the heart that has the compassion and mercy on everybody around you, that you bring that to the body. Or you might be the pancreas that brings out you know, the uh, toxins or the sin out of the body. But every part is, is valuable. You know, I hear so often you know, people are like, well, I didn't go to church this week, but you know, I prayed at home and I worshiped at home and that's all's good. But honestly, that's a lie from Lucifer. You know, that, it, because you are needed here to minister to the other people here. And you, your presence not being here one day could mean the difference of somebody not getting something they need from God that week. Find your calling and pursue your passion that the Lord placed on your heart. The body cannot function effect, efficiently without you. Let us be the fullness of the body of Christ when he returns. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we desire to be in your will and do the work, your work here on earth. Help each person here grow closer to you, find their ministry, and fulfill their calling you have on their life. Help us to find the joys and the successes of the early church. We love you, Lord, and we wish to love our neighbors as ourselves. Give us supernatural love, love transfusion, so that we may accomplish your calling in our lives. May your Holy Spirit rest upon us and show us the way. Give us signs and wonders, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify God, our Father, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, everyone, for coming today, and I hope most of you, or all of you, in fact, could uh, stick around for the fellowship meal. Oh, Lori says, pray for the meal, so I'm grateful for that. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day. Lord, I just pray that my brothers and sisters are encouraged to take that leap of faith on something that you laid on their heart, to call up a brother or sister that you placed on their heart, or to start a ministry and start talking about what that ministry would look like. Lord, and as, as, as you're working your, with you, through your spirit, Lord, we just thank you for the food that you provided downstairs and those black bottom cupcakes that Lori made and all the other good food that everyone brought in and worked hard to prepare. Bless, that, bless their efforts, Lord. We just thank you for the provision and for this a time together where we can gather together in one accord and have the fellowship that you so desire for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>